Simo and Redman are the thong slappers. They're two blokes making lots of noise but getting nowhere fast. Hey, g'day folks, g'day Redman, welcome to episode 21 of the Thong Slappers podcast. How are things going, mate? Hey, Simon, things are as flat as a Cloncurry lizard. Hey, how are you going? Funny you ask that, actually. I'm actually feeling really relieved. Just before I sort of got myself all nestled in the podcast, all ready to start recording this, I thought, oh man, I probably should go to the toilet. I probably should just do a quick whiz, you know, with the old man bladder and the like. And I swear... I was there for like five minutes doing the world's longest pee. It was like Austin Powers, you know, like putting the arm up on the end. And so I'm glad I did because it means I should be able to power through this without actually having to stop for a break. But it kind of... That's called the... Old age? No, it's called the fabled three-litre trucky piss. (laughs) Well, at least I actually did it in a toilet, not in a jar, and chucked it out the window at some road rager, which is always a good idea. Road ragers deserve that. <laughs> you told me that plan. Hey, um, listen, like, oh, probably over the last month, I don't know if I told you about it. I've actually like given up drinking Red Bull. Now I know you know and appreciate that that's a massive step for me. I reckon it was easier quitting smoking than it was, you know, stopping drinking Red Bull. But the thing is, I've replaced it with water. I'm like a fucking camel, mate, as far as the amount I drink. But I don't store it; it just goes straight through me. So. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling light. I'm feeling energetic after all that. So, I like, yeah. I like anyway. the guys that come to meetings or presentations and they get up there, you know, the little clicker to fast forward the presentation. The, the what's it? Yeah. And they've got like a two litre bottle of water. We're in like 14 degree temperature air conditioner. Like, what the fuck have you got a bottle of water for, you absolute sword? It's fucking 18 degrees in here and you're tall. <laughs> See, paint your final driver do. And they're all the same, all coming, you know. All, Clicking on, moving forward, let's have a look at these assets and stuff. But anyway, that's my take on water. Fuck water. Never got anybody drunk. <laughs> True that. Hey, listen, for episode 21, exciting news, we're actually getting into 1988. Because I remember back probably in episode 19, I think it was, Redmond, you said hashtag fuck the 90s and said, let's stick in the 1980s, and you chose 1988. So I guess a bit of a, a bit of a thing, just to, you know, get us all a bit lubed up for this. Bob Hawke was still our Prime Minister in 1988, but the big news was, it was actually Australia's bicentenary year, 200 years of, of um, settlement in Australia from 1788 to 1988, which brought with it the First Fleet reenactment on Australia Day, and also World Expo 88, which was held in Brisbane, a venue and an event very close to my heart back in those days. So, yeah, it was pretty cool, mate. I think, especially Expo 88, brought a lot of different cuisines to Brisbane, which, what? how many years is it? 30 years later, still have sort of left their mark, like Thai food and all this other stuff we just never used to have beforehand. So that was pretty cool, I think, too. Did you actually, did you go to Expo no. at all? Like, did you come up? I know a lot of people travelled up for no, it. No, I was out the bush. We didn't go. Mum, mum, she went to Brisbane and had a look at it. My sister, I think, they they took a trip up and had a look at it. But uh, I was talking to my brother-in-law about it last night. He lived in Brisbane during the time, and he said it was awesome. He had uh, PEDS, Post Expo Distress Syndrome, when it finished, because it's used to going like trying different food and different beer every night. Yeah, oh, well, that's fair enough. And well, look, they had some great pavilions. My favourite, believe it or not, and you're probably going to punch me next time you see me in person, was the Ford Pavilion. Main reason they showed, I think, oh, the EA was probably new then, which wasn't really anything to write home about, but it was all the old school footage they showed of custom lines and the early Falcons and stuff like that, which was pretty cool. Like they, they did a big video of stuff. They had a few cutaway cars and all that. And um, 
I just remember the queues. Like we had season passes for it, and in the end, I think we just ended up going sort of halfway through Expo. We could actually get into pavilions without too much of a lineup, but it was pretty cool. But the best part was World Expo Fun Park that they had sort of on the site next door, and that kept going for a couple of years or a fair bit of time after Expo finished. But that is actually the scene for a bit of a story I need to tell you later on, as far as our uh, vice versa goes. So remind me to actually mention the World Expo fun park experience i had hey simon tell us the world fun park expo experience. <laughs> i'm saving it mate i'm saving it but i guarantee you one thing i didn't like loosen off anyone's will nuts so it's a lot better than that i remember 1988 my second last year of high school and i had enough by then that was we'd all had enough from <laughs> the teachers everybody the town just remember <laughs> the town had had enough of <laughs> your small town i I'd had enough by about halfway through year seven, whatever. I'd, signed, I'd absolutely signed out. I'd had enough. It was just what a what a way to do it. Okay, well you're a thirteen year old kid. Let's just sit in here and teach you shit. Uh, yeah, when you're thirty, you might appreciate that. But I just remember thinking everything was about to get rolling. You know, I was uh, fifteen, and I just had a feeling that everything was. I knew that there was something going on out there, but I didn't quite know what. So it was kind of exciting. You're like, yeah, you know, I'm going to finish school. I'm going to float you know i'm gonna get the fuck out he always thought it was a trade certificate by the power vested in fiction i thought a trade certificate would be a magic carpet and get me out of there and it fucking was well there you go it actually got you out of the shower and out into the real world is that pretty much what happened at 15 <laughs> i'm not telling you what happened at 15 but 88 was good uh, street machine wise as well we've got uh, i've got actually every edition of street machine from 88 yeah, me too. And you're fucking bang on the money with that, mate. It was a great, great time in Australian street machining, the legacy of, of our sport, so to speak. We, we said earlier that that 57 Chev in the 2008, or was it, or something, is the only car to be on um, street machine twice in a year. It's not that I look at 1988. Blowback is on there twice. Oh, no, it's three times. Sorry for... Um, oh. oh, fuck, I've got the worst memory. Yeah, that's... Mark Jones, Mark Jones, Fat 57. Yeah, three times, sorry. Yeah, it was. Pretty disturbing. Let me tell you, the cars that are on 88. 88 <laughs> Sorry, man, I'm not trying to be Neville Know All. <laughs> we, um, we just don't want any more hate mail. Street Machine has got the uh, Mr. Hyde trainer on there, that twin dominator. Oh, twin yeah. Predator twin Predators. Yeah, number plate. Yep, like, Ivan Hands. Spoken about it. Right. Norman Izzy's come one trainer on it, the four door, the small block, uh, with the holding engine. Yep. It's got. One of my yep. favourite cars is uh, Methanol Madness 88, and that's Mark Scaravese's XD Falcon. Yes, that's right. The one with the Phase 5 kit, the yeah. green thing. It was almost infamous, that car. And then we've got awesome stuff to talk about, too, like Wayne Pagel's HZ Ute with a blind inject... Oh, sorry, not blind, just injected big block Chevy as well. And there's some great cars. And the, the, the rebuild of Blowback to Blowback 2 when they whacked a thong slapper up the front which probably overpowered the motor in the back because it is a 253, and we all know how fucking awesome they yeah. are. Epic engines. One, one HO to go when Ford didn't produce a V8, Street Machine did. Really cool car. I like that as much as... Oh, not as much, but I, it's also... I appreciate it the same way I appreciate uh, Methanol Madness. I like, I like yeah. XFXD, Group C, or any kind of flared, anything different, do with XD and XF. It's funny you mention that one HO to go. That had the coolest front kit, like the kit on the front with the, the driving lights and stuff. That was actually a pretty cool-looking car. Like, that would look awesome on a panel van or a ute, I think, as well. Yeah, I'd like so, headlight covers and that are just, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> so, mate, we've got lots to sink our teeth into as far as the car scene goes. But a couple of things closer to home, for me being a Brizzo, Brizzo Broncos, they joined the NRL. 
I don't know if it's called the NRL then. Whatever it was, maybe just the Sydney Football League. Oh, who fucking knows? Anyway, the Broncos, their first match they played at Lang Park, they actually beat Manly 44-10. to And Manly were the premiers for 87, remember? So I, I guess, I don't know. Look, I have absolutely no knowledge or confirmation that what I'm about to say is correct. This is just me guessing. But I seem to recall back then that a lot of the hype about the Broncos playing, a lot of people were bagging it, saying, oh, it's just the, basically the Queensland origin team taking on all the other teams. That was a little bit unfair. But, look, within a year or two, I guess things had settled down and you had players moving around and doing their stuff. So it just seems like yesterday that they that, that team was created and it just opened up a, a totally different world of football. For people like, say, for example, like me, being in Brisbane, you're sort of supporting local clubs. I guess it, it was a bit of a death knock for some of the local clubs as far as support and participation goes in watching the events, but it also opened up a whole different world of football teams to a lot of people with what was happening down south and the, the teams that were in the Sydney comp that you know we got to see play and all that as well. So, yeah, big change for sure. With rugby league, I've been lucky twice to live in premiership towns. When I was living in Newcastle, I can't remember what year it was. might have been 90 seven or 98 they won the premiership i was living there then the johns brothers and i in townsville here the cowboys who won it it's really fun to live in a town that wins the premiership i know that it's awesome oh that's the whole thing if people get behind it this is sort of i guess community spirit wise this is a bit of a lost thing these days i think that's a pretty cool outcome of that too so yeah hey do you remember what you were watching tv or movie wise back in 88 is there anything that rings a bell i oh, definitely the simpsons i would, would have been into the simpsons hogan's heroes all the old ones up there you know, the bush channel nine whatever up there uh baywatch or was that later Ooh, it might be later, I think. I can't remember. I think that was later. I'm, I can't wait till we have to do that year when Baywatch was released. That's going to be awesome. I'm that fucking cool man. I was watching Baywatch before it was released. How's that for 20? <laughs> I, I was listening to it on a record player, man. You're so passe. <laughs> God. Look, I'm going to send you a photo of my record player so you can actually see it's like a his master's voice from the 70s. I so it gives me, hopefully, the- some sort of street cred with you. It's like my grandma, my grandparents' one. I inherited it. Like I, this original from when I was a kid, I used to use it. Has so. it got the original patina? <laughs> it's actually in mint condition. It's a Survivor Rat Rod Patina Barn Find Top Knot Special. That's, it's mint. That's funny when you talk about purists, you know, like with our cars and bits and pieces, how we hate purists. You know what I hate? I hate punctuation purists. <laughs> I I can't spell for fuck's sake the English language is way fucking complex for me I can't even (laughs) write the fucking sound so it looks correct I can't even phonetically spell but it's when when you say you hate the purists in their cars I'm like that with punctuation I'll let someone and somebody has a shot at me (laughs) but the English language has got twice as many words in it is the next closest language. You know, you can't say in some languages I'm somewhat frustrated you're either fucking frustrated or you're not you know, it's it's funny, so I've got a couple of points to raise about this. For starters, I'm sitting here going bright red because I know that I've edited some of your Instagram posts where you, you spell the thong slappers as one word, and I go, it's two words, and I put a space between the and thong slappers. So I'm guilty. And this is aimed at me in some way. I can just feel it's totally deserved. You something the other day, and it had like 20 words and 15 fucking punctuation points. I'm like, that is so beautiful to see it when you see Like, it's had the, I don't even know what the fuck the dot with the comma under it means. What's that mean? Semicolon. It's like a pause, but you're not really stopping what you're saying. It's like pausing. You know, it's like it's like a Vogue magazine cover. You're like sort of putting your finger to your your mouth, and you're just looking away with this sort of 
expression reflective look in your face. That's that's the the punctuation version of that. Look, look fuck all that spelling. Grammar. It's important that make an image joke. What is it? A me joke for it. <laughs> Emoji, maybe. Oh, yeah. The other thing too, just talking about punctuation. What the fuck is the go with people using complicated words to say simple shit? Like, for example, okay, Red, you sent me that Rod Hadfield book, uh, the the book on Rod Hadfield, sorry, by his daughter, yep. whose name escapes me right now. Alison Hadfield. Um, please off. Alison, sorry, Alison. I oh, fuck up the worst memory. Anyway, Alison, so you gave me that book to read. Now, in return, I sent you a Peter Russell Clark book. I gave that book to you, right? So... What's the, the common theme is giving stuff to people, giving or whatever. You didn't gift that book to me. You fucking gave it to me. It's just like I didn't gift the Peter Russell Clark book to you. I just gave it to you. Everybody makes the English language so fucking complicated that did you notice that you see people write that? Oh, I was gifted a such and such. No, you weren't. Some c- just gave it to you. Like, is that that hard? Why do we need to change simple terminology? I just don't understand it. Then and then and, and fucking here and here. Like, you know, then is it, should we go, then we'll go there or does it look like that? Then it looks like this or can you hear this or is it over here? I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with the people that fucking wrote this English language? Like, fuck. <laughs> and I think I've seen something you wrote, 21 words and about 16 punctuation points. It was like, that's perfect right there. That's fucking... Yeah, mine was just... Oh, you did comment that. Yeah, yeah you did say something about that. I, I drew some boobs out of some brackets and some dots as well. Yeah, you did. And I must say, your ability to make things out of nothing always impresses me, especially when it comes to that sort of stuff. And I guess that's what... There's some other word that also is like gifted that annoys me. It's just like... Just say you fucking gave it to someone or I'm giving someone something. You're not gifted it or gifted this or gifted that. And about the... Year like, two, seriously. The year 2000, I've done some... Um, so I went back and done some TAFE, just did some, uh, just out of this interest in arboriculture, arbor you know, trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you got to learn. Now, I never got the qualification. I just went there and run a fucking, fucking done half a job, couldn't be asked, whatever. But um, yeah. my second time back at TAFE, I already had a trade student for being a mechanic, so I thought, fuck all these kids anyway. But because you've got to write the Latin names and the genus names of the trees, I couldn't fucking even go close, but I could identify. I mean, the teacher holds three of us back, like the, the lecturer holds three of us back and said, oh, look, yeah. you three guys have been selected to go to an adult literacy course. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, I can oh. fucking read, I can. on. And he goes, look, Redmond, we're not here to talk about who can read and who can't. <laughs> Fuck off it. Like, it's what I'm going, I can read, man. I read a lot. I just can't fucking spell. <laughs> <laughs> we're not We're not here to talk about who can read, we're, but we're going to send you on a literacy course anyway. Yeah, How the good. fuck does that make sense? Well, that's another yeah, anyway. great word when we're talking about Bono the other day. Well, I like it. It's born from Bono, maybe. It's pontification. Oh, yeah. You use that a fair bit, though, don't you? No, it's, it's so great when you're in a meeting and you're getting in trouble for being a fucking dickhead or there's some drama's going on, and you say, look, I accept responsibility for what I've done, but your pontification is making me fucking sick. <laughs> and it's warning of the dude that's sack or whatever. He's got no fucking idea what's going on. He's just a dick sucker anyway. And he's like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> you know, I don't actually know what pontification means, but what I do know is that if someone said that to me in a meeting, I'd probably get that fucking pissed off and angry because you know I've got a short fuse that I'd probably start pontifying anyway or I would actually it would be pontification I'd probably be doing what it is I don't understand but what they are saying I'm doing the Pope. it's probably like just fueling the fire the Pope is the pontiff so if you're pontification yeah. this is where I heard it the first time in Rolling Stone someone saying it about Bono 
So if you're pontification, you're up there handing down laws and handing down all your stuff and you have a direct line to God because you're the Pope. And I just think it's a great fucking word. And it's way underused. Okay, no. Way underused in discipline committees. I think that's the word you should use if you've put a trans am front on a valiant. It's pontification or a trans am front on a sandman or a monaro. Pontification. Because you're pontifying a car that's not a Pontiac. I think it's more along the lines of heresy. Could, you know, coming to heresy. You know, you're going against the church. You know, you you could be a protester. You know, a Protestant. You're going against the. Wow, this is going nowhere, man. Cut us out. No, no, no. I just I just learned so much from you that I don't have any idea that I don't know about. So anyway, hey, speaking of stuff you don't know about, you know, did you know that Home and Away was launched in 1988? The TV show started in 1988. Our friend Milko. Is that the one that's got on. the cars in it? I still I know what it is, but I still haven't seen it. Yeah, Lance and Martin, they used to, they, we spoke about Mark Delacqua's yeah. XT, Blown XT was one of the cars in there. Yeah, that show, it had like Bobby and Flathead and Milko and Sally and all them. That started in 1988. Now, that was actually uh, a TV show in 1986, Channel 7, devastatingly for their own good. They actually axed Neighbours and Channel 10 took it over and just turned into this humongous success that it's still been to this day. So, of course... They've gone, oh, well, we fucked that up, so we need another show, and that's when they started Home and Away, which, of course, is still going today. But one of the things that makes me laugh about Home and Away is the links between, you know how in Australian TV shows you pretty much have the same actors doing all the different shows. They just go you know, through different times and periods of doing it. Um, the guy who played, it was Alex Paps, I think his name was, he played Frank in Home and Away. He was actually in The Henderson Kids, which was a show on a year or two earlier where Kylie Minogue got her big start. And they were like BMX bandits. They had this gang of BMX guys from The Henderson Kids and uh, when they sort of kicked off in the city. And I always remember, like I was, at, you know, however old I was, 13 or 14, and Nadine Garner, she played one of the, I think she played the daughter in The Henderson Kids and she was hot and still hot to this day, right? But it's funny how just, you know, the same shows. And good mate of ours, good friend of TTS and one of the first hashtag moots ever, Lee Good, who, by the way, Good Custom Design did our sticker design of the FE panel van, which is just fucking awesome. He just randomly will send me a photo of Brains, the kid with the buck teeth and the bum part from the Henderson kids. He just randomly send me a photo. Like if you send him something weird, he sends back this photo. It's like enough said. So, yeah, that was a big one. Um, the Comedy Company with Glenn Robbins, of course. He played Uncle Arthur. Love Glenn Robbins' work, of course. He's uh, Russell Coit. He did some great stuff. And probably my favourite character from The Comedy Company. Did you watch that show back in the day? The Comedy Company? Yeah. Definitely. It was excellent. Who, who were the characters? It was like Eric Banner. Oh. Advisor. No, I think that was Full Frontal. No, that was Full Frontal. That was the Channel 7 version. But Comedy Company, I think, was Channel 10. They had, like, Kylie Mole and... A few other people, but my favourites were definitely Glenn Robbins with anything he does, but also Kim Ginginal played Colin Carpenter, and it was just hilarious the way he just played him to a T. So, um, yeah, that was a pretty good show. And funnily enough, Channel 10 actually being in Brisbane, it used to be Channel O and then TVO, and then they turned it into Channel 10 in 1988 to align it with the other states. And you had to even change the actual channel and the rotary dial of the TV to make it work with Channel 10. I've made a uh, remote control out of polypipe one day. It was about six foot long, you know, a bit of, I think it was about 19 mil polypipe. And I cut two slots in. Yeah, nice. So you could sit on the lounge and flick, change the channel, like, plink, 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 the big light. It was unreal. It was brilliant. Man, it's funny you say that. I did something very similar. Like, I got a whole, like, probably, because my sister's a muso, 
I got like six drumsticks, as in not the ice cream, but the real thing you actually hit drums with. So I got six, and I taped them all together, and then on the very end, I got two nails that I sticky taped on. So you could actually turn the, you could, um, the way it was done, you could actually turn the TV, no problems, but I had a hook on it, and you could actually turn the TV on and off. You'd actually pull the, the button on to turn the TV on, then you just push it with the end of the drumstick to turn it off as well. Yeah, without having to move a muscle, you just had this big-ass, friggin' long-ass drumstick you kept tripping over, but it was worth it. Exactly. Definitely and worth it. You couldn't be asked to actually walk into the television. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when Perfect Match is on and Dexter's, you know, calculating the compatibility scores for people, you don't want to be interrupting that by changing channels. That's, what, that's for sure. That's what we were watching, Sailor the Century. Me and my mum would have a contest in Sailor the Century every night for the washing up. She beat me every night and still yeah. wash up. <laughs> because she knows they washing up, but yeah. <laughs> Sailor Century was really good trivia. I enjoyed it. And that's sort of fun when you go to some trivia nights these days. I hate it when you go to trivia and it's like celebrity trivia. So I'm like, what the fuck am I even doing here? Yeah, okay. Like, what's Kim Kardashian's second second breast implant called or yeah, whatever? Just, yeah, like okay. when you go to trivia night and it's decent. But, um, yeah, Sailor Century is a good show. It was really, uh, what are they, BMWs <laughs> or Mercedes? BMW. Yeah, I think... Yeah, they had Mercedes as well, and they had like the diamond cluster keyrings, the clusterfuck keyrings. I think they were. Polish slot. Somebody saying the other day, his dad was a chip. One, definitely one of the guys on our. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah, Lee. Dad, yeah, he said that his dad was a contestant no, on there or something the like that. And he won it. No shit. Yeah, so that's we'll have to get into to tell us again what it was. And yeah, but Geraldine Delaney. Yeah, that's right. And there was um, oh, who was the other chicks that were the on there with Tony Barber and Glenn Ridge. I can picture them. I just can't remember their names because I'm hopeless. Um, oh, wow. I can picture them. We'll just put some photos up on Instagram. Let's just do it that way. It's just easier than trying to remember. I can't remember. No, no chance. Well, I remember... Uh, yeah. Who was the adjudicator? It says right at the end of it, adjudicated by somebody. Oh, uh, I can't remember. Nikki Buckley. She was one of the people. She was one of the... With the lady years. Yeah, blonde chick. Pete Smith used to do the voiceovers. Pete Smith here for Chapter 9. Yeah, no, it's a good show. Yeah, big time. Movie-wise, Child's Play with Chucky, that little whatever it was, um, that that killer doll used to do all the bad shit. We had Rain Man with um, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Can't forget Die Hard. Yes. It was a great movie as well. Excellent movie. Coming to America. Eddie Murphy pretty funny and Young Guns was another big one of course you had Heathers Twins with Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger and of course Naked Gun with the hilarious um, Leslie Nielsen Leslie Nielsen yeah that's him have you heard the story about the uh, Wanted Dead or Alive Bon Jovi song they used in that no I know the song but I don't know well, the story the movie, they didn't use it they only used it for the end credits and Bon Jovi was livid he's like fuck it and after the movie came out, it went to number one, the song. So yeah, the movie came out yeah. first. And he's still fucking pissy about it or whatever. He's like, fuck, they should have used the song in the movie. They only use it at the end credits. Yeah, it's a frigging great song too. I'd be pissed as well. But, I mean, you know what? The fact it went to number one and probably it's a bit of a suck shit from Bon Jovi to the movie producers, they just lost an opportunity, didn't they? But it was a good song. It still is to this day. Yeah. So yeah. Funny too. A lot of sequels came out that year, more so to like, I guess, horror-type movies like Hellraiser, Friday the 13th, and Poltergeist. And then, of course, there was The Return of the Man to Snowy River, which I know would be one of your favourites. Tom Burleson. Hey, I can't watch horror movies. I've never been able to watch them. I don't have the stomach for them. I don't have the need. 
my wife is an absolute fan of them. The only one I've seen is uh, Charles play, Charles Lee Ray, back in the day. That's why I remembered it. But so once a year, I agree with Deb normally around Halloween to go and watch a horror movie. Fuck, I hate them, man. I hate fuck it. <laughs> Last time we went and seen that, the kid gets his arm ripped off in the gutter or some shit, and it's next door to a pub there in, in town that I went, bye. <laughs> I just went to the pub. I watched about... Why do they always kill the kids in it? What the fuck is wrong with movie directors? They go, let's make these kids jump out the window or in front of the train or fucking go and play yeah. horror movies. I've got no stomach for it. Especially with people like Pennywise the Clown, like characters like that, you know, with his yellow teeth and stuff. It's just a classic. Yeah, but I, I know Deb does get into her Halloween. That's for sure. I've seen some photos and stuff she gets up to. So I guess it's just something you get roped into. You that fucking skeleton in the bed the other night. I need to jump on top of the fucking wardrobe. She thought, fuck, it was frightening the shit. She thought it was hilarious. I was fucking cranky for a little while. If you don't like horror movies, you can always just watch Crocodile Dundee 2, Young Einstein with Yahoo Serious. That came out in 88. Evil Angels with the story, of course, about um, Lindy Chamberlain and Azaria Chamberlain disappearing. Dingo's Got Me Baby. So there was a lot lot on it, like a lot of stuff that now is looked back on as being pretty big at the time, really. Yeah. Mate, 1988, have you got... A vice versa for yes, me. Absolutely, and I'm just I'm, I'm bringing it forward. I'm going to go and grab it. I'm going to get Nat's 88, that XD, that green XD. I'm bringing it back to uh, 2018. The only thing I'm going to change is going to run the uh, bigger rims out to the flares a little bit more, just to fatten them up a little bit, like we spoke about before with some other cars. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the only thing I'm going to I'm going to drive it as it is. I'm going to have it. I'm going to do everything with it. It's oh, it's a really fat car, and it's visually. Awesome. I still like XDs, XF, not particularly like green, you know, green, yellow, it suits that, that colour. Look, for sure, and I mean, it was sort of such a massive build-up for that car. Of course, the 88 Nats number plates were supposed to be about it, to actually winning the burnout competition of the 88 Street Machine Nationals. However, things didn't go quite to plan for Mark, and he actually hammered the wall in the car and did a fair bit of damage to the front end of it, if you remember. But I'd, I'd love to know where that car is now. It's such an iconic car and memorable car. It kind of just disappeared off the face of the earth. Someone somewhere must know where it is or know whether it got parted out or destroyed, well, you know, surely. You read a couple of different things, like the grass, you know, whatever. People are saying that he had the big tyres on the back and slicks it wouldn't light up. I don't care. That's not – It doesn't. the legacy of the car doesn't change a single thing. He went out there, he gave it a crack, fucking whatever he had. Yeah. It doesn't change the car or really enjoy the car. And didn't he have a Blue XE Pro – it had Pro – number oh. plates and it was a full XE Pro Street of like a drag car looking I don't think it was even meant to be registered he, pro, what was his business oh, I don't know yeah. I can't remember I'll have to look through the story again machine. you had an XE as well a Pro Street XE what would you bring back from 88 oh mate I've got a bit of action from 88 look I think look, I know I should bring back a walkie like a walk and short VL Commodore from 88 purely that's that's the, t- the monetary value person in me says to bring that back but as you know i don't build cars worrying about resale value or buying cars if i was actually going to bring back a car that i just like for the sake of liking them i'd get an sv88 vl commodore it's basically like a calais with a body kit it's got the walkinshaw wheels they're that two-tone it's like a um Dorwood blue over dual midnight blue it's actually a two. It doesn't look it, but it's actually a two-tone blue. It's broken up by the red stripe, kind of like how Calais were two-tone. It's got the Calais front, the walkie wheels, five liter. I'd bring one of those back and probably just do like a nice stroker Holden engine for it. Maybe the twin throttle body Group A type injection as well. Um, 
that have just I just I don't know I've always liked those cars and I love VLs and I think I'd probably bring back one of those and they just you just never see them SV88s like when was the last time you saw one of those you see more walkies than you do SV88s yeah I don't think I've I don't know if I've seen one in the flesh or I haven't seen one definitely for a long time there VLs are an excellent car that's also one of my favorite HDTs the VL Group A the red one because it's it's uh, unleaded it's five speed it's aircon that's that's kind of why I choose it. More of a, a driving sort of thing. Yeah, the VLs, it did. The VL did cut the head off the uh, the Holden Six. Got to, you know, long live the king. We've got to get over it. Yeah, I guess so. That was it. It's HSV's kind of first foray, well, after the walkie anyway. So the SV88. Um, did you have anything to go back to 1988 that you wanted to change or do differently or do from take from now back to then? I would have just left school. <laughs> I would have given. Would have taken, <laughs> I've still got. I still have in perfect condition. My school certificate. So I would take it back to 88 and go, mate, don't worry about 89. You're not going to get anything done. You're going to fucking captain that. You're going to the shit out of it. So I'd just take my school certificate back and go, we'll get it in four months. You go that way. We'll go this way. And let's all fucking stop setting shit on fire, basically. And that's fair enough. Just make it a happy ending all around, hey? What uh, What would you take back to yourself in 88? Oh, sorry, yeah. Okay, well, actually, I've got a couple of things, a couple of things I'm going to tell you about that happened to me in 88. Look, as you know, look, I'm a fuckwit. I've done a lot of dumb shit, and it seems to be the older I get, the dumber it gets, but especially my teenage years, and I did some dumb shit. Anyway, there was some funny shit amongst it too, like with good friends and all the rest of the stuff, which I, I remember very well and always have a good smile about. A uh, couple of things. Now, this is the Expo Fun Park story I want to tell you about, 1988. As I was saying, there was a World Expo was held at the South Bank site at Brisbane, or what became the South Bank site in Brisbane. And next door, they had a fun park, which is kind of like a mini dream world with all roller coasters and that sort of stuff. And me and a good mate of mine, Peter Jones, we used to go there basically pretty much every Saturday night, every you know sort of second Saturday night or every Saturday night. We'd head down there, catch the bus in, catch the bus out, pretty easy. So we're 15, and of course, hanging out at World Expo Fun Park, going on rides all the rest of the stuff. We'd always sort of meet up with friends there. We'd even, like, make new friends there. You'd be talking to guys and girls. you just sort of, I don't know, it's just you'd see the same people in there all the time. And there's one particular evening. We're about getting ready to go, and we bought some food. They had this awesome donut shop, and you could buy, like, pies and just all this, I guess, in inverted commas, like, Aussie sort of food. Anyway, I bought a couple of pies and bought a couple of donuts. They'd eaten that many donuts, and I only ate one pie and had this pie left over. And as a joke, one of the one of the girls we were like sitting with, she made a she got like a piece of paper, she made this paper plane. In front of us is this big group of people just sort of hanging out on chairs and catching up or whatever. It's pretty busy. And she makes this paper plane and she throws it into the crowd, like throws it. It goes probably twenty meters. Like it sails along, lands in the crowd, no harm done, we have a bit of a laugh. And I said, oh, I said, man, I could do better than that. She's like, oh, what are you going to do? I said, I'll throw this pie into the crowd, right? So I picked up this meat pie. It's cold, but it's it's like complete, right? But it's cold. Had sauce on it, ready to eat, but I just wasn't into it. I'd eaten too much. So anyway, the thing was, the plan for me, have you ever done that trick where you pick up like a tennis ball and you act like you're going to peg it at someone and you throw it really hard, but you actually let go of the ball yeah, yeah. and it just bounces next yep, to yep. you like a fake throw? We sit all the time at school. You like go to pick a tennis ball. So if that shit themselves, but you just drop the tennis ball next to you, just bounce on the ground next yep. to you. That was my plan, right? But it didn't quite work out that way. So I've got this pie 
and I've just like launched the pie like I was going to peg it 30 meters and everyone's just sort of like <gasps> like freaked out because obviously it's going to make a mess in the ground problem was I've gone to drop it to do the fake throw and as I've dropped it my fingers have caught the edge of it and it end up throwing the pie about four meters in front of me and it landed smack bang on the back of this guy's head right just exploded he looked like fry tuck he had this pie like stuck to the back he looked like he had this big ball patch to the back of his head anyway this guy's probably about 18 and he's there like patching his girlfriend at the time he's there like sitting there and there's all these other friends around and of course this pie's him in the back of the head and he's turned around and just realized because we were sort of standing at the back of the group it's going to be one of us and he's like who effing threw that you know fucking threw that and he's got up and he's puffing up his chest and he comes up and I just, like, I didn't want anyone else to call it a cop shit from what I'd done. And there's no point, like, looking around trying to fake it as if it'd come from behind us because there was no one else standing behind us. And I just put my arms up and I said, oh, I'm really sorry, mate. I started trying to explain. I said, I'm just, I was just trying to fake throw it and I kind of stuffed. He just walked up and just punched me. Just full on, full on freaking punched me in the face. <laughs> anyway... All my friends are like oh, freaking out. Here's this guy. All I remember is this guy walking towards me with this pie on the back of his head, and he's fully like snotted me in the face. That's my memory from 1988 Expo. <laughs> Didn't do any harm. Like I had all my teeth. I just had a bit of a bruised face, and it was no real harm done. But yeah, that's that's my big memory from that. But <laughs> always get a pint. It needs pie. You should just eat the fucking thing. Oh man, I'd eaten that much already, like donuts and other pies and shit. That was back in the days where you could eat like a horse. You go on all the rides at Twist and Turn and Carry, and you don't feel sick. Whereas now, I go on a fucking Ferris wheel, mate, and I want to vomit. Like I just don't have the stomach for it anymore. But you know, the, the, I guess the biggest thing to learn from that whole experience was that that happening to me, it didn't stop me being like a shit cunt at all. It didn't. I didn't change my ways, and I remember. Sort of also 988, another clear memory from that time. I was riding my BMX down the road and me and a few friends like neighbours who lived further up, we lived in a cul-de-sac and a few of the neighbours further up, we were all kind of all mates. We'd been kind of having a bit of a war with this family of kids who lived down the end of the street, right? So there was only one way in and out of our street. You had to go down. That was it. Only one way in, one way out being a cul-de-sac. Anyway, we've been having this war with these kids, and I've ridden down there one afternoon to go somewhere to go to the shops or whatever. And the three, the, the like two brothers and a sister, they're all out the front, and they've got like sticks and shit ready to peg these sticks at me. So as I've gone flying down the road, I just drink and got home from school, had a big drink of milk. I was really crook at the time, like I had the flu. As I'm riding down the road, I've seen them come and thought, oh, the only weapon I've got is to hock a big loogie on one of these kids as I've ride past. So I've done the full-on bit, like the, you know, drawing up shit from the depths of my body with milk, which, you know, makes it ten times worse. And I've hocked up this massive loogie. And as I've ridden past, like, one of the brothers, he's going to throw a stick at me. And I've he's thrown it, and I've ducked, and it's missed me just, like, just went skimming over the top of my head. Like, it's kind of, like, a fairly decent you know, branch, like, you know, probably a metre and a half long with a bit of weight behind it. So it was going to do some damage if it hit me. And I've spat out this loogie. The thing was, as it spat out, it had like it was like heavy on two ends. It's almost like doing a circle, like as it's going out. It's kind of like when you get, not nunchucks, what are those, what's that weapon you've got where you've got like a ball in each end with chain in the middle and you, they spin around mace. and they lock around things? It looked like, yep, it looked like that. It was these nice. two big blobs of boogie, of, yep, and it had the big line, and this thing's just twirling around. It's fully just wrapped across his face. And, mate, 
It was the best revenge ever. And all I remember was hearing him screaming. And I've looked around, and he's there, just like with his fingers, just trying to peel it out of his eyes. So he's described oh, he's good times. That to a prison psychiatrist, I reckon, right now. <laughs> I hope so. They were a bunch of fuckwits. They deserve it. Fucking forty-eight charges of peeling cats or something. <laughs> So that's pretty much all I remember about 1988 as far as that goes. But I guess I guess moving on from that, mate, have you had any domestic bliss? It's something we haven't spoken about for ages. you got any domestic bliss going on at all? I have. I'll, I'll give you the, the short version because it, it all kind of worked out pretty good. I Obviously, I spun the uh, transmission shaft in half off my GSX-R1400, so kind of pushed in the corner, went through some options, cheap old bike, looked at a wrecker's engine. That was looking good for a while. Then I looked at splitting the engine case, put a shaft in it. Same thing. I just sat it there. A CBR, I think it's 1100 Blackbird, turned up. Somebody gave me a call on that. They yeah. wanted three for that. So I nearly bought it in the end. I don't know why Deb and I just said, oh, look, let's, let's worry about a road bike later. You know, we just use a road bike to go in and out of town or I use it for work sometimes. It's just spare transport for us. We're not really – we don't put on day and easy stuff and go touring the mountains. We just kind of use it as transport. We use it in and out of the city if we have to go something in town because you can park on the footpath. Don't know if you're meant to. Fair enough, can. yeah. So <laughs> we didn't buy the Blackbird, and you wouldn't believe it. I went to get a new chainsaw blade, and uh, I was talking to the gentleman that works there, and he's got the sister bike to my bike. It's one VIN number different, and I just always have a yarn to him. I said, oh, I blew mine up, and he's trying to get rid of his, so a deal was done. I bought that off him, so basically bought it home, swapped all the stuff over, and it's I've just got <clears throat> what looks exactly like my bike back without having to do the arms of an engine swap. And uh, it, it, Perfect. it didn't cost very much more than doing the engine swap. The funny thing was he's a doting owner. Mike, the guy that I got to buy, yeah, yeah. he's just looking at his bike going, boy, sorry to do this to you. He told me a certain price. I didn't even ask. I said, well, what do you want for it? He goes, I'm going to sell it. He told me a certain price, which sounded cheap. I said, oh, yeah, mate, I'll, I'll grab it. Then I forgot about it. And then I kind of rang him back and said, look, if you're, if you're keen to move it, I'll grab it. And he goes, mate, honestly, buy it today. That helps me out a hell of a lot with something I'm something I'm kind of stuck on. So it was a nice story. In the end, I got the bike and I said to him, he knows me well. I've, I've, he's known me for 10 years. And I said to him, maybe you want to have a ride, just send us a text, come around and grab the bike. And he goes, I'm never getting on a bike that you maintain. <laughs> You know, the best part about that, I'd love to hear the conversation that your old bike had to the new bike when you parked them next to each other. You know, it'd just be something along the lines of your old bike of saying, I'm sorry, mate, but you're fucked. <laughs> and the other bike would be going, ah, oh, fuck. It'd be like your kid gets the toys and rips them apart or whatever. But the other last little bit of domestic bliss, I've, uh, two years ago for our anniversary, Queen Deb bought me a BMX, 24-inch BMX. So I've been just loving that, cane and the piss out of it. And finally, last week, I've done the mismatch. It's now got a dodgy back tyre on <laughs> Oh, sweet. You, That's okay. You, Just put a tough on the back as well. If you've taken the front tyre off your BMX and put it onto the back because you've worn the back out, you've probably done the same to a car at some stage, is my, is my point. Mate, back in my peg-leggy days, like when I first got my family in hardtop, I just used to rotate the back right rear tyres, just to rotate the wheels around so you get four burnout tyres to last you a weekend. Well, just spin one up, go and swap the other one, just like rotate it around. The red ute uh, that I've got, the SSU. VE, 6 litre, it's now due for a tyre rotation. The whole time I've owned it, I have never been able to do a tyre rotation because I just put new back ones on it because they're, they're sorted. But I feel like I've grown up. I said to Deb the other day, I have to do a tyre rotation. She goes, what's that? <laughs> so I feel like I've all grown up. You know, I haven't done the post yet. I haven't done the, I haven't done the rotation yet, but I'm just so fucking proud of myself. I'm going, I've kept a set of tyres on the back for more than fuck all. Well, have you got any domestic bliss? What's you know... I do, but look, first of all, I'm really proud of you, mate, for doing that. I just like, I think to celebrate, next time I come to Townsville, we should go and do a massive burnout in your, in your Commodore Ute. Okay. Sold. Um, that was an easy twist of the arm. 
So have you got any domestic bliss, Simon? What's going on with your projects, etc.? Mate, okay. Now, you're always saying I'm an overachiever with projects. You'll be highly disappointed to know that probably since the last time we did Domestic Bliss, I've actually accomplished sweet fuck all on anything. I've done nothing on my cars. I've done nothing on BMXs. I've done nothing on St. Lucie's EH. Because one massive reason why I thought I need to have a clean up. And I fucking made sure, I said to myself, you are not starting any new shit. You're not working on anything until you sort out your tools, your parts, and all the shit you have lying around the house. See, under my house, we've got to think all the TARDIS. It's like a storage area that looks fairly small, but can actually, it opens up and it's got 10 times the amount of shit in there that it should have. And people who know me pretty well are good friends. They'll definitely sort of know exactly what I'm talking about. My good mate Aaron Henry, he's actually the one that nicknamed it the TARDIS for good reason. So I've basically spent the last two or three months sorting my toolbox out, sorting out tools. I got to the point, I've actually got a 20-litre bucket full of tools that I'm going to get rid of. I'm just going to hopefully find someone who's, you know, like maybe a young guy or a young girl, someone sort of a kid or early teens looking to start out doing car stuff who might not have the money to buy tools. I'm hoping to donate this big bucket of tools to them to do. might help them, you know, just for the start to help start tinkering on stuff. So... I'm sorting all that out, I'm going through all the cupboards, I'm throwing out a shitload, I'm selling off a fair bit when I can be bothered dealing with wankers on Facebook Marketplace and Gumtree, and pretty much just freshening the decks, and this is something I've been meaning to do for like a really long time. So I'm probably about 80% done, and making good progress, it's just been, I found shit that I forgot I even had, I found shit that I thought I'd lost, including one, like, compliance plate off St. Lucy's EH, so I think, fuck, I found that thing, <laughs> I'd be in so much trouble. Um, I'm and, not at all disappointed that you haven't achieved anything, I'm actually surprisingly smugly satisfied with that, makes me... Well, I'll be I'll be sure to remind you about Easter 2019 Van Nationals being held at Charters Towers when you're supposed to have your VK or Big Bang It Up, so... That's just a friendly little reminder of that. But you know, it gets to the stage in your life where you open up a cupboard, you get sick of shit of falling on your head or tripping over shit. That was, I just had a full-on Michael Douglas meltdown. I thought, that's it. All the shit is being sorted. And not only sorted and cleared, it's actually being organized. So like, Nuts and bolts, I've got like containers with nuts and bolts and I've got, everything's organised, it's taken me fucking ages, but it's worth it because now I actually know where everything is. And on top of that, I've put together toolkits for the cars. So normally, I've got little bits of tools in a lot of different cars, I've actually got like a toolkit for my hardtops, I've got a toolkit for the panel vans, so all I need to do is take one, put it into the other, and one back to the other, and like spare parts, like you know, electrical stuff or whatever. I've so fucking organised, I'm nearly embarrassed and ashamed of myself. But it's going to make life easier because I really want to get back into some BMX stuff and really want to get into the EH. Speaking of BMX quickly, the South East Queensland BMX show's back on. So they weren't sure if they were going to run it this year. So I've now got probably six weeks to build two bikes. So stay tuned. I'll be doing some uh, domestic bliss on those as well. What do you think? always out the other bit of next domestic bliss. What are you thinking of the show? Well, one of them is the Mongoose Moto Mag. I've been sort of, I've got had all the parts here to do it for ages that I'm doing. It's an 81 model, but I'm doing it like sort of late 78. Like I'm doing the, um, 
you know, it's got motor mag tufts, of course. I'm doing the box bars. I'm doing a real early school build. Like, it's not going to be a purist build. It's going to be a fuck the purist build. So that's going to be just something I'm building. I've pretty much got everything ready to do that. And the other one I'm doing is another Madison bike, kind of like the Hurst bike, that frame, but I'm doing another theme build. So I've got a couple of those up my sleeve. I'm hoping to get one done before uh, this South East Queensland BMX show, which would be really cool. That's up now. That is spot on. I've, I've been talking to people about the, the projects a bit lately, different people. It's almost as if I have to say a disclaimer that I don't care if somebody's actually building the thing or not, as long as they're having fun with the car. Yeah, big time. You know, somebody sent us a message the other day. You would have read it as well that said, um, from the firewall forward, their uh, their car is a could basically be the same build as Terminator. Oh yes, I know who and you're talking they, of, they, and they, that's a pretty awesome thing. Yeah, that 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 pedal being said, oh, you know, I don't want to sound like a wanker. It's a wank. No, it's the best thing that I think you can. One of the best things you can do with the car. It's like we've got, uh, we're gonna do our uh, vice versa with some pretty fun stuff with Benny Hewlett with running on empty. We'll we'll talk about that next next episode. We are, and also next episode. Do you remember we were talking a little while ago? You were talking about Kevin Bloody Wilson singing some awesome Slim Dusty. Yes, right. Aaron Henry, good mate, I mentioned, and also someone else. I think it might have been. Um, I think it might have also was three fifty Munro. Yeah. Uh, Toby, I think he might have also sent us some information. Just, I've got some special information for you regarding Kevin Bloody Wilson and his association with country music, which I'll bring to you in episode twenty two and anyone else who listens. But I guess wrapping up episode twenty one. Mate, we've got a bit more to do in 1988. Next episode, we'll be chatting with Benny Hewlett too, doing a bit of a uh, Bible studies on the December issue of Street Machine, but also talking running an empty festival. But, mate, don't remember... Oh, hang on. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, folks, you can catch us on Instagram at the Thong Slappers. Feel free to email us, thongslappers at optusnet.com.au. We're still doing a little bit of Facebook, but I don't know how long that's going to last. We're just not interested. But, yeah, also we have stickers available, uh, which you'll find on our Thong Slappers uh, Instagram page. Awesome work by Lee Good and fantastic work by you, Redmond, organising. I've got to give you kudos, mate. I did fuck all to do with that. That was all you were doing, and I appreciate your efforts there. The stickers have come up awesome. The Effie panel van artwork that Lee did for us is fantastic. And he's got a couple of other cool Thong Slavers art pieces on their way as well, which I think everyone will enjoy. So, mate, looking forward to episode 22. Quick thanks, St. Lucy, Queen Deb, Simon Telford, and, of course, you, Redmond. No, my thong slapper, bro. Thank you. Thank you to all the people. Again, I want to... I want to do that thing where we say what's good in street machining at the moment. Just want to sign off by saying crate motors, XR8s, SSs, drag challenge, burnout contest, Lynchy, Disturbia, Grunner. There's so much good shit out there. Wide XB. Our scene's never been better. Five-speed, six-speed transmission. And that thing, Rod Hatfield, where he describes when he put the Japanese four-speeds and five-speeds into the book. How interesting is that? Very interesting. Definitely an innovator and what a market too he opened up, like just opening up people's minds and ideas and what they could do with their cars. And look, he built he built an industry or a business off that and supported a lot of other businesses by doing that too. Right, yeah. So That, yeah. that uh, was a quite a common modification, changing a gearbox in a car. Yeah, big time. And, and just with the five and six speeds that come out in the Commodores, the XR8s and the XR6s and stuff, like, we haven't had to bother. We just go and get that shit from the wrecker, man. It's spot on. Just take it for granted, eh? So different. Times are so different. Hey, I'll let you go, otherwise I'll rave on. (laughs) All right, mate. Look forward to speed to episode 22. Cheers, mate. See you, mate.